Welcome to the most impactful place on the planet, Tabernacle Baptist Church. This is Reverend Dr. Charles E. Goodman Jr. People call me PG, and I'm so honored to lead this amazing ministry that is really trying hard to glorify God. Listen, thank you for tuning in. Matter of fact, go to our website, tbcaugusta.org. You can find out about all the wonderful things that we're trying to accomplish for the kingdom of God at our church. Matter of fact, you can also give through Secure Give, Giveify. We pray that you will partner with us as we once again do all that God calls us to be. Well, let's get into that word and that experience. I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. God bless you. As King David came to Bahiram, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimei, Shammai, son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He then says, he shouted to David, the Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king Abishai, son of Zerai, demanded? Let me go over and cut off his head. No, the king said. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zerai? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. Perhaps the Lord will see that I'm being wronged and will bless me in cause of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing as he went and throwing stones at David and tossing dust in the air. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way. So they rested when they reached the Jordan River. <laughs> There's some interesting stuff in this Bible, ain't it? As the King David came to Byron, the man came out of the village cursing them. For the time which is ours, I want to preach for a little while today. I want to talk about the blessing and getting cursed out. The blessing and getting cursed out. Lift those hands to heaven and say, Lord, speak. We need to hear. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The blessing in getting cursed out. This past week, they had the second Democratic debate. It was interesting, as many of you perhaps have watched and tuned in. I will tell you, because of the length and breadth of the Democratic field, they couldn't just do one debate. They had to do two debates. Hopefully, the next time, we can whittle this thing down and start narrowing down candidates that the Democratic Party will pit against the Republican Party. But it was interesting, if you ever noted, the front runner, if my opinion over the last couple of debates, really has not looked good. It seems to us, and those of you who watch it, that most of the candidates in the particular debates realize who the front runner is, and they made it their aim to try to go towards him. They decided to figure out ways to try to cast dispersions, and let's be honest, he has not looked that strong in the last couple of debates. But this last one really got tense, and the problem was that in order for them to attack him, they had to attack someone who many in the Democratic Party feels is off limits. If you ever watched the debate, you'll know that most of them were not just critiquing Joe Biden, they were critiquing President Barack Obama. 
It began to be to a point where they were talking about policies and immigration and a variety of things to a place of very critical status. Most of the aspersions towards Joe Biden was aimed at President Barack Obama. Many of the leadership in the hierarchy of the Democratic Party began after the debate to say that's a bad idea. You do not want to criticize someone who is revered. They were talking about as if to suggest that President Barack Obama was above criticism and that they felt it's a bad idea to try to criticize his administration. Thus, be careful what one leader says, what you say about our former president. I, I think it's interesting because as I began to, to meditate on that, it's intriguing because it's, it's unique to know how sensitive all of us can be to criticism. I mean, let's be honest, none of us want to be criticized. None of us want to be talked down to. And if the truth of the matter is, all of us, if you are trying to be anything or be anything, you will get criticized. If you want to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. And part of the challenge is, how do I navigate life amidst criticism? How do I navigate life when it feels as if I'm being unruly, I'm being unjustly derided, and perhaps how can I live life in a fishbowl, realizing that even when I give my best, someone is always going to have something to say. And I will admit to you, if the truth be told, for all of us, that's the tension of life, because I let's say it let's be honest most of the time when criticism comes our way we just dismiss it as that's just a hater they don't really know me they they just trying to bring me down and so what we do is we dismiss criticism we we just put it on the back burner but I'm here to submit to you today that before you dismiss that criticism before you go ahead and turn your back on that hater maybe God is trying to tell you something through criticism maybe child of God God may be trying to give you some tips some clues, some motivation, and yes, perhaps outlining his will for your life because sometimes, child of God, it's not from your friends that you get blessed, but I'm here to tell you that sometimes it can come from your enemies. That's what brings us to our passage of Scripture here in 2 Samuel chapter 16. It's a phenomenal passage of Scripture, very obsolete, and it catches us at a very interesting time in the life of King David. It's been a few weeks since we have remembered what King David has done, but remember, he's now not just king over Judah, but he is now king over all of Israel. And he's had some years of prosperity. The monarch was once again unified under this amazing, charismatic, and anointed leader, but David had a you remember the story that he found himself out of place and end up causing some sin to enter into the kingdom because of the lust of his eye and of his flesh. He begins to fall and it begins to cause some dissension amongst his issues. And not only to make it bad, not only with Bathsheba and that whole ordeal, but by the time we come to our text, his own son Absalom has tried to abdicate his throne. I mean, can you imagine for King David who's reared this child, who has raised this child. The text finds us at a very interesting time because now David is on the run because Absalom has galvanized a lot of people and they're trying to throw David out and they're trying to make Absalom the new king. This is a hard period for David. David is struggling. Matter of fact, if we open up 2 Samuel 16, you see him literally on the run. The first four verses deals with his interaction with a man by the name of Ziba. Ziba comes to him as a friend and tells him that he has his back for those few verses 
David is once reminded of those who are part of his company and part of his travels. But when we get to verse 5, we're introduced to a man by the name of Shimei. And the text tells us that while David and his men are on the run, while they're trying to get out of Dodge, while David is trying to get his mind together, Shimei comes out and the Bible does not sugarcoat it. The Bible does not gloss over it. It literally says that Shimei comes out and he curses David out. He curses David out, throws stones at David tosses dust in the air. He literally follows David from when we meet him in verse 5 all the way to verse 14. I mean, this is not just some uh, little random talking. This is a man that's raving mad. He is upset at David. He literally wants David to die. And the text tells us that even though Shimei is disrespectful, even though Shimei is wrong by cursing out David, notice how David responds. David does not get mad. David does not retaliate. David does not do something than Shimei. Matter of fact, he takes this as a moment to say, let me step back from what I'm feeling and maybe God is using this raving madman to teach me a lesson. Maybe God is trying to vindicate me. Maybe God is trying to send something my way. And yes, it's good to hear it from friends, but David concludes that sometimes God speaks through your enemies. And I'm here to tell you, child of God, isn't that the interesting thing about this passage? I want to put it in a place where we can drink from this cup. I want you to know uh, that what David teaches us is many times uh, that you can't always operate in your feelings. Yes, they may come from a bad place. And yes, they may be saying stuff that may be hard to swallow. But what David teaches us that as a mature child of God, uh, I've got to be able to discern everything that comes my way. Uh, because what he says is maybe this is is God trying to get my attention. And I want to submit to you that it's honestly a real tough place in this passage. I mean, from David's perspective, if I was to, to throw out some things that were perhaps uh, plaguing me and thinking through in this passage, I, I would tell you that I'm struggling because I would admit that if I'm David, I would tell God, uh, don't you have a better way to send me your word? Don't you have a better way uh, of giving me your will? I mean, you don't have to send shimmy to come my way, uh, to curse me out, to throw stones and dust my way. Uh, but here's the craziness of God is God knows what we need to hear when we need to hear it and who we need to hear it by and maybe what we learn in this interaction between David and Shemiah is that we learn that sometimes even in debilitating periods God's word can still come to our hearts that's what I want you to know this is what I simply came to tell you is that don't get mad don't get frustrated sometimes you just gonna have to take the cursing out sometimes you just gonna have to take the criticism but what I love about David you got to chew the meat and throw away the bones that that's my simple aim today I, it's a real quick little simple thing I, I hear what some of you saying because pastor you don't know what I'm dealing with you don't know the people I have around me some of us can testify man I at least get cursed out at least once twice every week sometimes uh, it can be multiple times more than that and I tell you that I oftentimes don't like it I don't like criticism I wish I had somebody here that can testify I don't always like to hear negative things but what we learn is God can use those moments to develop us and not to destroy us so let me share some things because I think the text uh, outlines a few principles for us. I, I really believe there are some things uh, that we should glean from how David responds in this moment. And so the next time you get cursed out, don't get mad. Just say this might just be a blessing. <laughs> First thing I, I, I realized in the text that David teaches us, number one, is that if I'm going to endure 
and receive a blessing from this cursing out, first thing David teaches us is that number one, you need to focus on the truth. Here's what's interesting. The text introduces us to Shimei. This is the first time we hear of him. But we already can tell he's got an issue with David. Why? Because the Bible lets us know where he's from, the tribe, and whose family he's in. He's a Benjamite. He's related to Saul. Saul was the predecessor of David. Saul was the one that was the first king of Israel, but it's David that has taken his place. So we can already tell that even though Shimei is in Israel, he don't like David because David ain't Saul. Okay, let me try it again. Shimei is in Israel, but he don't like David because when he sees David, it reminds him of the Saul that's no longer there. So really, honestly, David was already going to be at a loss. Why? Because no matter what David did, those connected to Saul were always going to have allegiance to Saul. Even though David didn't do anything to Saul, David did not push Saul out, David did not kill Saul. But sometimes whenever there's a transition and a change, some people just ain't going to like you just because you're not who they're used to. And at some point, I wish I could help you, that in what we learn in the text is that here is the problem that David was going to have to face. Here is why Shimei didn't like David is because David once saw. I wish I had time because perhaps that's an issue why some of y'all are trying to figure out why some people don't like you and it really ain't about you. It's not who you are. It's who you're not. And sometimes we struggle because many times we try to figure out people. Why don't they like me? Why can't they get along with me? It's not you that they really have a problem with. It's because who they really want is not there no more and your mere presence reminds them of the absence of somebody else. I wish I had time because I would tell you it took me some time to learn that at some point it's really not you. It's just the fact that on your best day you can't be somebody else. You can only be you. He didn't like David because David wasn't Saul. And he comes out and notice what he does. He starts cursing and then he starts getting upset. He calls him a scoundrel. He calls him a murderer. And he literally gets mad. He starts to talk about all the stuff that he wants to get out of his chest. And this is interesting. Notice why Shimei now has a lot of courage and confidence to curse at David because David is on the run. Can I be honest with you? Some people will never let you know their true feelings until you're at a vulnerable state. Shimei wasn't cussing David when he was in Jerusalem on the throne. But as soon as something came out that was catastrophic, that was perplexing, that was painful in the life of David, Shimmy been, you can tell, Shimmy been holding this in for a long time. He been waiting for David to show some signs of weakness. He been waiting for a moment where he could tell David how as long as David was the king on the throne, he couldn't say nothing. He just minded his business and did not say anything bad. But as soon as it seemed like there was a period of weakness in the life and king ministry of David, that's when Shimmy said, I'm going to tell you everything I've been wanting to tell you uh, because now's my time. You ain't nothing. You ain't never been nothing. Your mama ain't nothing. Your daddy ain't nothing. You ain't. I wish I had time because sometimes you don't realize uh, what people really think until they feel there's a weak moment in your life. As long as David was strong, Shimmy ain't say nothing. But as soon as some moment came of calamity in the life of David, Shimmy, who'd been holding this in for a while, 
He decides to take it as a moment to degrade David. Matter of fact, look at the words he says. Look, because you're the one that killed Saul. You're a murderer. You're the one that if you read 2 Samuel chapter 21, that seven of our family members were killed at, at your hand. You got blood on your hands. And here's the crazy thing. When you read the rantings of Shimei, Shimei was exaggerated. David didn't kill Saul. That's a lie. David didn't kill the seven sons that were part of Saul's family. That's a lie. But in the midst of that exaggeration, in the midst of those lies, there was some truth. David was a murderer. If you go back to the story of Bathsheba, it was David that sent her husband to the front line. Blood was on his hand. It just was not what Shimei said. So here's the challenge that David had to face is that yes, Shimmy, you're mad. Yes, Shimmy, you're a hater. Yes, you are lying about some stuff, but there's some truth to what you were saying. So as much as I want to disagree, and I could go point by point and parcel by parcel, David had to admit there is some truth amongst your lies. I know you ain't going to say it out loud. I, I know you ain't going to tell your neighbor, but if we be honest, a lot of the criticism we get, there's some truth in it. There is something in it, honestly. I know you want to go ahead and throw the baby out with the bathwater. I know you want to dismiss and say everything is wrong. They lying on me. And yes, that might just be true, but in the midst of those lies and propaganda, there is a slither of truth. And what David teaches us is that sometimes I have to learn how to look, take harsh criticism and be able to uh, go through the real um, uh, metamorphosis of trying to figure out, yes, I don't like hearing it, but there's some truth in this. And at some point, everybody can't be saying the same thing. At some point, they may get their facts wrong, but the essence of what they're saying just might, I know y'all ain't going to tell the truth, and I know you don't want to tell your neighbor, but there's some stuff that people have said, and yes, they can be wrong, and yes, they don't like you, but it ought to force you to look at yourself and say, you know what? Some of that is true, and some of that is something I could really begin to to be better at some of that I perhaps need to make a better change I wish I had some real people that can be honest come on sometimes your friends won't tell you the hard truth they'll skim around you they'll try to tell you everything's good but sometimes if we look at our enemies and some of the criticism we receive there's a slither of truth and what David teaches us is dismiss the lies but look at the truth what is it in this moment that perhaps I need to get better even my own personal harshest critics have a slither of truth that I have to wade through the personal issues to say, you know what? They're absolutely right. That I should be better in this area. And it takes maturity to be able to fish out truth in a sea of lies. Because everybody can't be wrong. That's, that's, what, that's what Dr. Clarence Bass learned. He was a professor emeritus, had a seminary, and actually he was a pastor at a church in Los Angeles. On uh, one particular Sunday, he really thought he hit the sermon out of the park. It's, it's an amazing thing as a preacher. You just got that feeling when you think that everything clicked, his intro, his transitions, the body of the text. He just knew this was absolutely his best sermon. So as you can see him as he walked to the back of the sanctuary to greet the exiting parishioners, every last one of them that came up gave him some positive compliment. That was an amazing sermon today. That was a great sermon. And man, you preached today, Pastor. But there was an old man that came up and as he shook his hand, said, your sermon was too long. 
dismissed them, let them keep going by. He kept shaking other hands. Man, that was an amazing sermon, Pastor. That was a great sermon. Until the old man came in line again the second time and said, Sir, your sermon really didn't make sense today. He dismissed it that second time. He kept shaking hands. They were positive and complimentary until that old man came a third time and said, man, you really need to work more on your sermons. Can you imagine, Pastor, as he was down just as heart-stricken, he leaned over to a deacon who was near him and said, man, who in the world is this old man? I've never really paid much attention to. Who is he? And the old deacon said, sir, don't even pay him no attention. Uh, he just go repeats everything he hears. Y'all miss what I'm trying to tell you. Because sometimes people won't always tell you to your face what the real issue is. And sometimes you ought to be grateful that God will assign some people to really tell you the truth. Sometimes, child of God, you need to be grateful that you have some people, as much as you hate to hear it, that can give you what you need. I wish I had somebody turn to a neighbor and tell them, I thank God for the truth. It's hard, but it's right. It was tough, but it's good. I wish I had somebody that can testify the truth is like castor oil it may not taste good but it is good for you I wish I had time y'all don't like to hear no preacher so what do I do if I'm going to get through this cursing out David teaches us find or focus on the truth but then the second thing he tells us if I'm going to get through this piece and find a blessing in the cursing out number two you got to resist the urge to retaliate let me say that one more again. Some of y'all really need to write this down. I'm trying to help you because I love you. Resist the urge to retaliate. Now, you're going to want to retaliate. Our natural human proclivity is you do wrong to me. Eyes are going to do wrong to you. Because some of y'all, like your pastor, are some Old Testament believers. Oh, I love Jesus in the New Testament, but I got some Old Testament in me. Y'all know Old Testament? Eye for an eye. Two for two. I wish I had some witnesses. But David in our text, watch this, walks in an incredible level of restraint. Because notice who's by him, Abishai. Y'all remember Abishai. Go back to the story of when Saul and David were going at each other. It was Abishai, the same one, that told David, look, bro, I got you. I'll take my spear straight through his head. We'll sneak up out of here. It ain't no problem. Abishai been riding with David for a long time. Abishai's your ride or die. Abishai's your guy. And while David and his men are out there, notice what happens. They see Shimmy cursing David, and they say, man, we need to take this dead dog's head off. Why is that important? Well, if you ever read Exodus 22, verse 28, and some of y'all need to highlight that in your Bible, the Bible says in Exodus 22, around verse 28, that those who curse God's rulers should be stoned. Oh, y'all don't want to hear that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the Bible. That those who curse God's leaders should be stoned on sight. So Abishai, and his generals were saying, this dude is off. You may not be having a good day, David, and you may be vulnerable, but you're still God's anointed. You may be on the run, but you're still God's chosen. And how dare Shimmy decide to take this moment 
to curse you when the word is clear, he deserves death. And at that moment, David could have easily unleashed his generals. He could have gave a nod to Abishai, take him out, because according to the word, he should have been gone. You do not disrespect and curse God's leaders. But David says, don't do nothing. The word says, stone him. The word says, he's wrong. Abishai, the generals and stuff, they're like, David, he ain't just cursing at you. He cursing at us too. What you want us to do? And David says, don't do nothing. And here is an interesting part that David shows. He says, you know what? Let him curse. Maybe God has given him permission to curse me out. Y'all got to read the Bible. It's some interesting stuff in here. David says, maybe this is God's plan because God needed an instrument to get to me. And here I am on the run and I'm thinking about Absalom, but maybe God sent Shimei to be able to be a chastening rod to help me confront me. Y'all ain't going to like what I'm got to say. Because, man, this text revolutionized my perspective. Because many times, honestly, that is really how the Bible rocks. Because uh, the Bible always lets us know in the narrative of God and his people uh, is that God has a unique way uh, of getting to us what he needs to us, not by ordinary means. He will sometimes uh, bring blessings by enemies. He will sometimes uh, bring things to us that cannot otherwise get close. But God knows uh, what it takes for us to confront us. Y'all don't want to hear it uh, because I know we quickly dismiss people as soon as they become disagreeable as soon as they become contrary as soon as we feel like they got an issue with us we want them gone and out but maybe what the text is teaching us is that instead of us looking at them as being antagonistic against us maybe we ought to look at them as a blessing saying God thank you because if it wasn't for them I wouldn't be able to fight the real enemy which is me I wish I had time y'all don't want to hear me preach but too many of us want people gone we want them out extricated we want them don't but here David says maybe this is God uh, using this moment uh, to teach me something I couldn't have learned uh, anywhere else and maybe some of you ought to be shouting I know you get mad at shimmies you mad at the one coming at you hard critical and you know they don't like you and yes it's true they really don't like you but God can take people that don't like you and still bless you God uh, can still take people that can't stand you uh, to still be a chastening rod uh, to help you be better I wish I had some people that knows I grew up in a house where grandma and granddad told me when they had to beat me this hurts me more than it hurts you and maybe God knows that we need some whipping sometimes because he realizes that some blessings don't always feel good and you may need some people in your life that you got to be restrained with but say you know what as much as I don't can't stand what you're saying you'll become a blessing in my life lean over to somebody and tell them it can be a blessing that's the text. He says, no. It's hard, but I need it. When was the last time you thanked God for a whipping? 
Sounds odd, right? But when was the last time you thanked God for chastening? See, we don't like talk about that part of God. We, we want the God to just give you all the goodies and all the blessings. And, and so a lot of our theology is lopsided because uh, you only want the good stuff of God. But here's the wonderful thing about God. God is a well-balanced God. He'll give you goodies, but then he'll give you whippings. God uh, knows that my chief responsibility uh, is to make you the best you you can be, uh, which means sometimes that's on this way and sometimes it's on that way. So I will bring in things to sharpen you uh, because many times the things to sharpen you don't always feel good. Grew up, when I was in high school, we had shop class. Shop class, I know they probably don't even do that. It was, it was part of our curriculum when I was in high school. We had a shop teacher. We had to go in the shop and create stuff. But one of the, the ingredients in half the creating stuff, we would build furniture and other stuff. And, and I see her in the back. You know what it is being in shop class. But, but one of the things that you needed to finish a product off once you made the wood and cut the wood, they call it sandpaper. Now, sandpaper is a unique kind of material. It's, it's rough on the top. It's, it's got granules and things that if you rub your hand across it, it could cause bruises and scars. But when you put it on the furniture and you rub it right, that, that harsh, corrosive, tough exterior has a way of smoothing out stuff. You can smooth with smooth paper because there's some things you can't get right if everything's smooth. Y'all ain't going to like me. I'm trying to tell you that's what David did. David looked at it and he said, he, you right, he could die, but I'm looking at this as a moment where perhaps God is trying to teach me. Got to focus on the truth. You got to resist the urge to retaliate. But here's the third thing. Notice what the text says uh, is that here's why I can find a blessing in being cursed out is because vindication belongs to God. <laughs> David comes at this moment and he says, let Shimmy keep cursing. And notice what his response is, why he decides to let him continue to curse. He said, here's the thing. My own son's trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone. Let him curse for the Lord has told him to do it. And verse 12, bless me and perhaps... The Lord will see that I'm being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. One of the better renderings of this in the Hebrew, he says, well, maybe God will give me mercy for what I'm enduring today. That what David perhaps is saying is that God has been keeping record. That God knows when I'm being wronged. That yes, he perhaps sent Shimei, and yes, he allowed this cursing to happen. Yes, it don't feel good, but my hope is not in the cursing. My hope is in one who keeps my tally together. And when I don't have the ability to respond, and when it's not my responsibility to show revenge, here's the good news, God keeps an account for me. Which means I ain't got to get mad and curse you out. I ain't got to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you. I ain't got to keep sending email after email after what you said. I ain't got to go on no Facebook rant. Why? Because after all I'm going through, God has been watching and God has been seeing and God has been taking note of how I've been wronged. And my prayer is that God, the same way that he gave me mercy before I'm praying, he gave me mercy in this situation. Y'all ain't going to like me, but keep reading the text. 
the Bible says that David and his men do not confront Shimei and Shimei don't leave them alone. Shimei keeps cursing them. Shimei throws dust in the air and the Bible says that here's what I shout is that even though Shimei didn't stop cursing, note in the text David and his men didn't stop moving. The Bible tells us they made their way to a place called the Jordan River. They walked 20 miles and when you read the Bible it tells us Shimei walked all 20 with him. He's from a distance cursing them out and throwing dust in the air but here is the shout to me is that even though Shimei didn't stop cursing, David didn't stop moving which means at some point child of God let him curse. At some point child of God let him talk. At some point child of God they don't like you keep walking anyhow. Yes they gonna scandalize you keep on pressing. Yeah, I wish I had somebody here that can lean over to a neighbor and say neighbor don't let the cursing out stop you. Still progress to where you're going because the Bible says in verse 14 that the walk got weary. They got tired but they found themselves in the Jordan where they were able to refresh themselves. Lean in, let me help you because when you keep moving and walking it's going to get tiring. You're going to get weary. You're going to want to say something but shut up and walk on anyhow. Don't let their tongue stop you because God always has a place where he can get you refreshed because I serve a God that's going to be with you even when others are against you. I wish I had somebody lean over to somebody and tell them neighbor keep walking anyhow. Don't let the stuff stop you from being where God wants you to be. I'm done. May the Lord bless you real good. Uh, but the story comes out of Chicago Deacon Prince uh, uh, that this family was heartbroken. This loved one uh, was in the hospital and he was in hospice. And matter of fact, they then called the family and said, this man uh, has died. They, they were heartbroken. Their, their minds were in a bad disarray. They planned a funeral, guys. Uh, had the worship service. Uh, and then uh, about a couple of weeks later, uh, they came to the family house uh, for a barbecue. And here's the crazy trip of the story that while they were there having fellowship the loved one they thought was dead came to the barbecue yeah they thought he was dead can you imagine their astonishment as they saw this loved one who was pronounced dead they had a funeral for he walked in the barbecue they were going crazy they had lost their mind come to find out the hospital and the police department had made a mistake they had misidentified an individual and the person they thought was their loved one was not really their loved one they were at a funeral of someone who wasn't even related to them. So now there's a lawsuit going on. They're mad at the Chicago Police Department and they're mad at the hospital. How could the hospital make that mad of an error? How could the hospital not know who's dead and who alive? I see why some of you can't shout because I didn't tell you the name of the hospital. The lawsuit reads there's a lawsuit against the Chicago Police Department and Mercy Hospital. Y'all missed it. I'm gone. May the Lord bless you real good. But ain't that like mercy that when others think you dead, it can still make you be alive. I want to have somebody in the house that can testify. That's why I shout because no matter what has happened to me, God is greater than that. And because God can keep me when I can't keep myself, I praise God for some mercy. Everyone standing. I'm done. Everyone standing. Touch your neighbor. Say, let them curse you out. Let them curse you out. Let them curse you out. Play softly for me. Let them, let them curse you out. It's hard. Lord, it's hard. But David said, maybe there's some lessons in this. 
Because there is some truth. Even in that sea of lies. Maybe I don't be better by learning how to be restrained instead of retaliating. I always tell people, your true maturity is, is really shown in moments when you could do something and choose not to. See, see, it's, see you don't impress me when you ain't got no power. <laughs> but when you have the opportunity to flip the script and you choose, you know what? I ain't gonna do it. And you take the high road? Man, David blesses me. Why? Because David was a fighter, y'all. David be knocking giants down. And David don't play. And in this moment, he said, you know what? Maybe this cursing out is good for me. And my only prayer, watch what he says. He said, God repay me goodness for what I'm receiving today. And they kept walking. Child of God, what blessed me in this text, and I'm done, is he did not allow it to stop him. I ain't got to respond, but I'm also not going to stop moving. I don't like it, but I'm going to keep walking. Because the Bible is very clear. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Here's the interesting thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm done, because the story of Shimei doesn't end there. If you keep reading the Bible, remember David's on the run from Absalom. Absalom gets defeated, and David now comes back home. And on the way back home, Shimei, who realizes he was wrong, brings a thousand people with him and falls at the feet of David. God has a way of flipping the script. He'll turn that thing around for you, right? And Shimei gets on his ground. I'm so sorry. I, he's apologetic. And David gives him grace. I ain't going to do nothing to you. You're good. It's all good. God has vindicated me. I wish I could tell you this the end of the story of Shimei. But if you keep reading the story, David's on his deathbed. And he had already given grace to Shimei, but he tells his son Solomon, watch him. I gave him grace. You don't have to. I got to tell you the story because the Bible is crazy, y'all. That's why I tell you, you ain't got to do nothing. At some point, they would do it themselves. Solomon calls and Shimmy said, man, I know how you did wrong my father. This is what I'm going to do. You can never leave Jerusalem. As long as you're here, you're safe. To read the story, Shimmy tells us that one day his, his, his property, his animals wander off and he leaves the barrier, the confines of Jerusalem. Word gets back to Solomon. Solomon calls him in and says, man, I done told you. You were safe as long as you stayed here. But since you that went off, you knew the consequences. And they stoned him right there. Now, I'm not advocating people get stoned. I'm just not advocating. <laughs> but I do think it gives, us a, it gives us a lesson that, guys, you don't have to fight battles. If people are wrong, let God have them. I, I've had to mature that way. I ain't going to front. You got to let God have them. And I'm telling you, listen. Because, man, listen. Because our, our humanity wants to get back. Right? But I've learned, man, God, God, can, God can handle it better than you can. 
and I never wish ill will on people. I do think some people really don't know the consequences for which they're saying, or, or, or a lot of people just are so engulfed in their personal stuff that they don't realize how destructive it ultimately be, not for the one they're hating on, but the one that's really internally. Like, I feel bad for people like that because, because honestly, the Bible is clear. Life and death comes from the tongue, right? And, and what Jesus said, what kills you is not what goes in, it's what comes out. I realize a lot of people who spew negativity is they just negative. And so sometimes, honestly, I feel bad for some people. I'm like, wow, you you rather waste all this good opportunity God gives us to experience life at another level, and you want to focus on something negative? That's on you, boo-boo. I just decided to try to live good. But there's some truth, and God has made it. I'm grateful for the sandpaper people that have been in my life. They stretched me. They made me look at myself. And truth of the matter is, there was some truth. I needed to do better in some areas. There were some places that I needed to grow in. There were some spots that I honestly was taking for granted. So I'm grateful because a friend would have never told me. So you need a shindy. And all whatever their thing is, they think they're hurting you. But David said, no, let me see what's true in this. Let me figure out how I can be better. Listen, as we conclude today, as we stand all over the building, we have a special school starts tomorrow, right, for some, or Tuesday or something. Boy, y'all don't sound happy at all. Listen. <laughs> quickly, teachers, administrators, students, come down quickly. I want to pray with you. I know we got a little time and I got to leave, but I want to pray with you at this service. Teachers, administrators, students, some of y'all parents, because y'all need, need prayer too. I want to pray. I know they say that they took prayer out of schools, but you can still pray for schools, right? I still believe in the power of prayer. And, uh, all of our teachers, administrators, staff, faculty, if you are in any capacity of our school, whatever the school system, one of the incredible things, man, I think we touch about five different school systems here, and uh, it's such an honor and a blessing. And we're praying for you. We're praying for you. We are praying for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We come to this moment, and Lord, we're embarking upon the transition of summer into fall, moving into this moment where we're now releasing our children, our leaders, back to school. God, I pray that it has been a fruitful summer. I pray it has been a productive summer. But now, God, the time is upon us. So, Lord, I pray for our students as they go back. Give them a mind to learn. We pray against any distraction cover them with the blood we pray no hurt harm or danger come against any of our students in any of our schools we speak against the spirit of bullying we speak against the spirit of low self-esteem God we speak against the spirit of anything that's contrary to your will for the life of your children we lift up teachers who have a hard job and God, we know they are underfunded and don't have enough resources, but we thank you for the hearts that they have to educate our children. So Lord, help us to help them in any way we can. Help us to be a blessing to them, not a detriment. I pray for a partnership between teachers and parents. It's not antagonists. We are teammates. I pray for administrators and 
faculty and staff, every capacity, whether they're in the cafeteria and the library. Bless the leadership, principals and assistant principals who give in charge. It's not easy to be a leader. So God, give them wisdom and insight to make the right decision, even if it's the hard decision. We pray for our superintendents and those that work for each school board. We pray for the school boards and, and all those that work in partnership. We even pray for the government so that, God, they will give the right kind of resources so that our children are prepared, not just for tomorrow, but also for today. So as a church family, we are pouring our love upon them. We're asking God that your grace be with them. We're praying this will be the best year yet for some. This is our prayer in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give God some prayer. Come on, she want a hug. All right, as we stand all over the building, the doors. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the most impactful place on the planet, Tabernacle Baptist Church. Don't forget, go by our website, tbcaugusta.org, there to see all that we got going on. And also, I thank you in advance for your benevolence and your gift that helps us promote the kingdom of God. Listen, I want to see you come back. Check us out later. Love you much. Take care. Peace.